All right, welcome Facebook, Facebook, and I don't know if I have Instagram up right now. Um, <laughs> YouTube, YouTube Live, and um, we're back for an, an episode of Cardinal Cast that we do every week. And as you can see with me today, I do not have Lonnie Watson, our high school counselor. She's busy doing some scheduling. Um, and the last time, Craig, that I had you on, we had some poor audio, so we wanted to go back. We want to talk a little bit today about school safety. Mm -hmm. So with me is longtime teacher Craig Nobling, and <clears throat> as we were kind of talking off air just a little bit. Um, when did you start at Shadron High School? What is your teaching career? Um, Mr. Mack, I, I started in uh, 92 in the middle school. Um, and I went, I was in the middle school from 92 to 95. I took care of in school and out of school mm -hmm. suspensions. You had the same job. I was going to say, that's what made me think about it yeah. when I was thinking about this podcast last night. And I, and it was, I think you and I started in Shadron Public Schools with the same job. Yeah, we did. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, I, I was a para essentially, and uh, mm -hmm. Hank Wrights was mm -hmm. my boss and was, okay. was on the outs of, of retiring and finishing his career, and uh, they needed somebody to implement a, uh, a school program for, um, well, I would say rewards and just kind of give some teeth to the, like to the a, school policy. Like some kind of a behavior model yeah. they were following at that time. And yeah. I apologize, my voice is real cracky today, kind of fighting the throat, head cold stuff, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, because so for me, I think it was 96 um, when I moved back and, and mm -hmm. I was teaching at a different school district, came back and I was the in-school suspension, just an hourly uh, yeah. kind of a para yep. wage. Um, it was my first taste probably of administration a little bit because yep. I just remember at the beginning of the year, there might not be kids in in-school suspension. So you got some freedom to walk around the school and exactly help right. and be an assistant principal, so to speak. And, and it was it was a, probably a, one of my favorite jobs in the fact, at least before I got into teaching, and maybe you can reiterate this, but I got to see the really good practices yeah. of education, and then I got to see some things that, man, you know, if I ever get my own classroom, when I get my own classroom, I, those are probably some things I'm not going to implement, and it was it was a phenomenal, phenomenal job in that respect. Agreed. I, I remember, like, we have a kid missing. We had a runner one yeah. day, and so he's like, oh, I got to, I didn't have to be in charge, and I was a teacher Prior to this, I yeah. came back just to work on my uh, um, uh, graduate degree. Um, so I got to, like, have the freedom to go, like, find kids and yep. do some of that stuff around the building. And um, so for me, it was really good, too, and see different classrooms. And then it was just a different behavior. I don't even remember the, the behavior thing they were trying at the time. but They, they um, used to do first, second, third yeah, offenses. offenses. And, and again, some <laughs> teachers... Yeah. with good classroom management skills, did a wonderful job, and never even hardly see any of those students. Um, and others kind of probably leaned on or, or relied yeah. too heavily on it, and so they kind of took, took their, the policy out of their hands. And, and um, it, it, we, we did some, at least I did some weird, I, I administered medicine, which we would right, never right. do today, right. and how things yeah. have changed over the past 30 years. That's right. So That's it's, right. It's, um, Open campus at that time, too. Remember yeah, the kids would all walk out of the middle school, and they'd yep. walk down the alley to Donald's yep. during the day and you back. Betcha. And down to that little sta <coughs> uh, gas station, uh, Sinclair station, yep. and they yep. had all sorts of... We get calls all the time. We got kids stealing yep. from the station. Yep. So, um, yeah, things have changed. Yeah, certainly. so that, that's kind of where I started with Shattern Public Schools too, and and uh, and then you you took a teaching job elsewhere, out of district, yep. at some point, yep. and then you came back yep. and actually got yep. employed at Shattern High School. At what year? Um, I was two thousand one. I was in Rushville. Okay. I went back to Omaha. My wife was working on a PhD, and I got another degree while I was down there as well. And we moved back in ninety seven. I student taught here under Keith Walton. 
um, who has retired since and um, went to Rushville for three years. Great experience there, too. Right. I mean, love that school district as well. And then uh, fortunate for me, uh, my wife had a job, has a job at the college and um, uh, a job open came up here opening and started actually started coaching back in 92 under under Andy Pope. And came back and, okay. and I got to coach with Jim English, uh, right. and then took over as head coach within a year. Right, yep. that was two thousand one. Two thousand one. Yeah. Okay. I think I came in two thousand two. I didn't realize. You, I thought you'd been here for years. Uh. Uh-uh. No. Yeah, no. Nothing <laughs> personal. No. But <laughs> I just not that like you it. looked that old. Yeah, I just look like it. <laughs> so you, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been around, and I, I just remember like in the in the nineties doing the middle school thing, and um, for me after that, I was teaching at a different district. Uh-huh. And I just remember when Columbine happened, and I, and when Columbine happened, because we're going to talk about school safety today, Columbine was a big marker, a big marker nationally and yep. probably worldwide. I mean, in one <laughs> word, if you just say the word Columbine, everyone knows yeah. the incident. Unfortunately. Unfor- very unfortunately. Um, but I remember that's when internet was kind of new. And I remember it's the first time I recall of being a classroom teacher at the time of trying to get the news of the event yep. on the internet yep. uh, to see what had happened. Um, and so some people ask, well, why, why is Shadron public schools, why do we do so much that we do in school safety? And I think, I think it's a, it's a fair statement to say we're a leader. I, I, that would be a fair statement. I, and that's not bragging or bravado or anything like that, but I think we've had experiences here that, um, um, that most schools, uh, never had and, and probably never will and hope that they never do. Um, but yeah, we, we had a shooting in the middle school. Um, and that this was is before 19- Columbine. Yeah, it was pre-Columbine. We, right. it, unfortunately, are the we've got we're the marker for the. Yeah. I wouldn't say even it's an anniversary. It's a matter of fact. It's the 25th year on February 8th of of that mark of of that shooting. And really, I on the 20th uh, marker is what I'll call it. Not a, it's not a celebration or an anniversary of any way, shape, or form. Um, but I did text um, Mr. Pope, and, and it, it was then Sergeant DeMood at the time, but now it's right. Chief DeMood, and uh, told him, I said, hey, uh, 20 years ago, where were we? And sort of in a joking sort of manner, but I said, I'm glad you're both still here. And, uh, and, and again, there, there were no students uh, yeah. that were injured. Uh, Mr. Pope was the only one that was, that was injured in that, in that yeah. shooting, and, and fortunately he was able to come back within a week, which is, is, there's a lot of luck and a little bit of fate. Absolutely. And, and yeah, so, and Mr. Pope is still, you know, working in Shadron High School. Um, So we have that. You were in that building and I know you're not going to come out and say it, but Craig Nobling, right, this guy next to me was the guy that walked down the hall and took the handgun out of the, out of the the kid's hands and secured the gun and the kid um, until law enforcement got there. And a lot of people don't realize that part. And I think we had there were some students that were sitting in the classrooms at the time that Correct. are still connected to, yep. to our high school yep. that are staff now. Mr. Bach, uh, C.J. Bach, is a, is a current math teacher here, and he was sitting in the back of the classroom when the shooting occurred. Um, and he, he and I have talked about it a little bit from his perspective, and of course as a, as a sixth yeah. grader, there's yeah. a big difference in what his viewpoint is. And, right. And, but it's, it's interesting to hear his perspective. And then years later, you and I are doing a school safety presentation at Mitchell High School. Yep. Um, Mitchell Jr. Senior High, I think yep. the seven through twelve students didn't really know we were asked to come down there by Michelle Peters, yep. who's I, I think a school counselor down there now, was a classroom teacher for yep. a long time, and she was setting up this leadership day, and she wanted a school safety session, and she knew that we were doing presentations for a lot of different schools, and that was the first time I realized when we go down there, she said, 
that she was a student teacher in the middle school when that happened. That well, day. And to me, that's a, that's a sign. Yeah, that day she was there. And so that, to me, that's a sign that those things do stay with us. And whether you call it trauma or experiences, I mean, we learn from those experiences. Yeah. They stick in our brains. Our, our brain develops patterns that it follows based on these, these ex- traumatic experiences in life. And, and my point is, I honestly think that's one reason why Shadron Public Schools takes school safety so seriously. It was a lesson, many lessons learned, as I know you've, you and I have talked before. Um, but it was something that this school district learned that w- went through. I, I totally agree. <coughs> last, this last conference I went to in, in early February, they said that exact same statement, uh, Jerry, that um, schools do this because it's a protocol, because right. it's a policy that either the state mandates or the district mandates and they don't take it seriously. And the people that do take it seriously, typically something has happened. It doesn't have to be in a school. It could be in a workplace. Mm-hmm. It could be in a church uh, place of worship. But that's the places where the, the policy is pushed and it means something are in those places. Right. And I think that it is the reason why we do what we do. And, and you referenced this conference you went to in, in February. And that's one thing I was hoping we could talk about um, is just kind of get some of your takeaways from that but um so one thing that you know i don't think i don't think there's the public and people understanding what all we do in schools by any means and hopefully this isn't an opportunity just to have a conversation about this one topic but um you're a staff member who clearly takes this seriously and and you help lead a bunch of the safety trainings and stuff for for not only our building but our district Mm -hmm. and we've you've done a lot of presentations throughout the panhandle and across the state right um but you volunteer to go to these conferences, and, and in February was an example of one of those. And um, in, in the school district provides the professional leave for you to go learn that material yep. that you, you choose to on your own. And then you come back and then you share it with the rest of us. And I know you shared it with our, our uh, district uh, safety team yep. about a week ago. And there's a connection with that training and that Columbine event. Uh, talk a little bit about Frank DeAngelis and where you were, Absolutely. And if you don't mind. No, Frank DeAngelis um, was the principal at Columbine High right. when the shooting um, occurred. And since then, he's become an advocate for school safety, not only in the state of Colorado, but um, nationwide. And, you know, he's been labeled a national treasure, um, I, and I believe so. And when mm-hmm. you know we're talking about Columbine being that catalyst, it, not only for the educational system, mm-hmm. um, but it was a catalyst and a game changer for law enforcement. Absolutely. Every single event since Columbine, I mean, has they, everybody references that school and what the police and law enforcement and special weapons and tactics teams um, did that day. And they said it, they were wrong. And, and that is so, that's incorrect. Um, that was the training and policy of the time. They didn't know any better. Right. No different than our protocol the day here in the middle school. It, there was no, who do we call? I mean, obviously it's 911. That's a gimme. Right. But other than that, there were no policies on doors and people checking in. Every door was unlocked in the school. Yeah, always I mean, used to be. Ex- and exactly, and classroom doors um, were unlocked, and some were open, some were closed. Um, we didn't have um, an SRO, that wasn't even a concept back right. then. That day, Sergeant DeMood, or Chief DeMood now was there, we were just going over the D.A.R.E. program, and he just happened to be in the building that day, and again, fate, luck, whatever that day happened, um, we just both happened to be at the same time, and. 
I, I have a, uh, some at least a, a degree in, in law enforcement and, and justice studies. So literally the training I had before that, I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's still stuck in my mind. And whether it was keeping track of time and listing mm-hmm. things afterwards, um, it, it just kind of all fell into place. Again, luck or fate, whatever it is. But at this conference, bringing it back, uh, Columbine was the game changer. And for tactics, instead of waiting for a SWAT team to secure the scene and wait to to enter the the property or the building or the structure, um, from that point forward, it's whoever shows up first goes in and and it stops the threat. And it is a, um, unfortunately, Columbine, within 50 miles of that school, in the last 15 to 20 years, an unbelievable number of, of events in schools, um, 50 miles of Columbine, I think there were five or six school shootings um, in the last 20 years. And yeah. that is by far, it, ha- it, it has to be the most nationwide. It has to be. Yeah. Um, and why Colorado? Um, we're going to talk a little bit today about threat assessment a little bit down the road, but people are trying to copy, replicate, mm-hmm. copycat. And unfortunately, the closer to Columbine, they can just keep tying it back in. Or it could be the Aurora uh, theater shooting. They're just all trying to tie things back in to the event. And so this training you went to, and I just think this is <clears throat> interesting. I, I want to just give a shout out background for Frank DeAngelis. He was the principal at Columbine yep. High School when this happened. After it happened, he vowed that he was going to stay at that school until all those high school students graduated. But it started, I think, I remember when we listened to him. That's right. He said, well, he started, he was going to go with when the high school kids, when the freshmen were all through. Yep. Well, when that happened, the parents were like, no, you need to stay because our our elementary kids were in the school district as well at that time. That's true. And so he then vowed to stay in the school system until every student that was in kindergarten on from when that event happened had graduated. That's correct. And I I'm, talk about honorable and like never quit and staying with it. And uh, I, I can't applaud that enough. And then I find out this school safety symposium that you just went to in February was held at some facility named after Frank DeAngelis. Yep. And then you told me, I was like, so what kind of a conference building is this? And your response was, well, it's not. It's an elementary building. Um, a school down in the Wheat Ridge area was going to be decommissioned by the district. And I think uh, Frank's foundation kind of approached the district with, we, this would be perfect, It'd be a place we can train, we can have meetings for, there's five or six, literally it's at the crux of, of uh, intersection, intersection of the, the four or five different districts. And I said, what a perfect place to meet and train so they can do combatives in one part, they can do airsoft training, and it's all literally you train and then you debrief. You train and then you debrief, and it's all in the same building, all in the same place. Another part of the building is for simunitions, and then uh, trainings like this, the the winter briefings. It is a perfect, perfect place for this. So it's just an old elementary school yep. that was going to close, and and their foundation bought it yep. for a law enforcement yep. and school official training. That's exactly center. right. SROs, national training center too. That's I exactly do believe. Right. That's exactly yeah, right. That's impressive. Yep. So can, do you mind sharing just no. like some of the things you you, you took away so from the the. John Michael Keyes and his wife Ellen, of course, they're the uh, the, uh, the starters for this I Love You Guys Foundation. So it was in Platte Canyon in Bailey, Colorado, a horrific day in that school district where their daughter, the daughter was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that point forward, they wanted to also kind of join, and it was years later, almost, almost 10 years later, um, that this happened. And 
Frank DeAngelis and them got together at some point. I don't know that backstory. And they joined together and wanted to do more. And what can we do, not just for Colorado, uh, but down the road became a national piece. And so they got together and started the I Love You Guys Foundation. And they put all these essentially free information for the for for all the schools all you have to do is sign up and they just want to know where it's being it's being uh, utilized and then they start putting trainings together so they gather people from around the country and talk about school violence threat assessment what to do what's the process and it, it it's a perfect meld of yeah. all those all those uh, pieces so these winter briefings uh, were just the start. There's going to be a summer briefings as well in early July. And they're, they're just talking about um, what schools can do at the next level. Yeah. And, and after listening to whether it's um, A.J. D'Andrea, who's a, the, the assistant chief in Arvada, he was on all the SWAT um, literally for five different shootings in the, in the area. And he said he was, I'm literally getting tired of this, but um, I mean, of, of having the shootings here. He was talking tactics, how schools and law enforcement can come together and have a common language and be have a, a better relationship. This relational coordination is what John Michael Keyes kept talking about and everybody being on the same page. And this was just one piece. And he, he was debriefing about the Platte Canyon um, shooting and how schools, how we can learn from this, from their sorrow how right. they can, uh, how, how we can all work together. Mm -hmm. um, but this, they had, I had, I had about a half a dozen or 10 takeaways from this. And part of this, Jerry, is um, there's some validation as to what we do. When they're talking about some of the policies, I was just in the back of my head and I have a pen there going, I'm a check, we've already do that. And I'm not saying, again, you know, beat, beat the chest that right. we're ahead of the game, but it makes me feel good um, that what we've been doing over the past five years or so um, means something. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we have been doing is based on this, but man, we've, we're just keep notching it up just a yeah. little bit. And there were only 60, about 60 people in the room and they're from all over the country, South Carolina, Virginia, um, Texas, uh, Colorado, of course, Nebraska, and some people from the Department of Ed were there. They want to get in on this, um, not only from our state, um, but a lot of other states were right. there. And it just a really strong validation, and it just makes me feel good in my head that we're, we're doing some good yeah. things, really good things. I think the first text I got from you when you were down there was, we're on the right path. There's something, yep. something along those lines yep. that, you know, we're kind of ahead of the game. Yes. When, when you sit in those those conferences and and we've attended them at the state level and and uh as well you you hear all these other school districts and where they're at and you, you feel pretty good that well i know we're kind of ahead of the game compared to some others right. but are you ever going to be prepared are you ever you know you it, you're just never going to have enough training enough everything and i i worry about that as an administrator that do do we do enough and and you're you're kind of my guiding light at times with you know, we, here's what we need to be doing. You know, we're not we're not drilling enough. Yeah, is a common one. Like, how often should we be doing drills then? And I mean, I guess it's that whole adage again. We've mm -hmm. talked for years of of we need to be used to being comfortable yeah. by being uncomfortable. Um, so 
yeah, it's not the best time to do it in a passing period because it's not that that structured, you know, everybody's in the classroom and we yeah. get ready for it. I, I even think sometimes we should maybe drill when, when not even when I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to have you no tell one. me when it is. Nobody else knows. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'd like to have somebody else maybe call the drill because it's always right. relatively static. I right. mean, it's you go on, but I think you're trying to keep that calming effect so yeah. nobody gets worked up. And there's lots of cases around the country where they're doing their drills and drills and exercises are different too realistic and we get some trauma that comes along with it and we just have to be just common sense see and unfortunately i was in a school district that did an exercise where it was a fake chemistry lab explosion in a in the high school chemistry room and only some people and some students were in the know and the they wanted local including uh as far as staff but law enforcement, fire, and, and et cetera, were all in on this to practice this exercise. And it created mass chaos in the small community I was in in Wyoming of cars showing up, parents showing up. They think it's real. And, and I think that's one way, I, <laughs> as you know, sometimes I get a little hesitant. But at the same time, when we listen to the mom from Sandy Hook, um, uh, we've listened to a couple different people that were at Sandy Hook, and they talk about when the kids, the kids that ran out of the room and outside, they followed the exact same path they do for fire drills. And it wasn't the safest path no, for, the, for the circumstances that were going on. Um, and you know the details of this, but instead of just running, just running away from the school, they go on the sidewalk, single file, turn and go down this sidewalk, single file, turn on this sidewalk, go single file, get to this crossing. And, and, and it, what it taught me was... <laughs> drills create muscle memory and brain patterns that can be repetitious and if we can continue to drill and we do we do a minimum one per semester and there's no state mandates for this yet um just trying to drill and have i know sometimes for us as staff it feels like the same conversation right over and over but i just think that repetition i'm hoping will pay off like it did those children that day exactly and we've been pushing we have these the safety our safety buckets that we have yeah. in our classrooms with all our, our first aid blowout kits is what they normally called and you know with a class list in it and i try to urge everybody you put your phone in your back pocket mm-hmm. so you can help i mean we're we're small, slowly teaching our students not only to be safety minded and aware mainly in school but mm-hmm. down the road when they leave exactly. Shadron High School whether it's a secondary institution or an open space or a place where they work or worship mm-hmm. and it, you just we're starting them here like any other subject unfortunately our society pushes us towards this and it, it's just the way it is uh, and, and again like you said if we drill and if, even if we fail during the drill that's okay. Somebody forgets a door. Yeah. It's okay to fail during the, the exercise. And that's the where you want to learn. That's right. That's when yeah. you learn. So that's, that's key and that's crucial. Do you remember when we started? So for me, it was like the early 2000s, the first lockdown drills, I recall, as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And it was all lock your door, close the lights, and huddle in a corner. Yep, exactly. Remember those days? Yes. And, and it, uh, to me, <laughs> that is like the looking back. Yeah. It is the wrong thing to do. Absolutely. It might be a place where you can at least get away if, if there's a window near the door to get out of sight. Yeah. Totally agree with that. But then we got to keep thinking, what's the next step? What's the next plan? Because we're not going to stand here waiting for something to happen. Or wait for somebody to have the keys to lock the door. Exactly. You know, and, and we have a way around that. And it, then yeah. what if you don't have keys? What if you're at college someday, you know, these kids? And so we... We practice barricading a door and how to barricade doors. And 
So my goal is I hope that you know, we start these drills at the kindergarten level. When you do them kindergarten through high school, and they, yep. and they progressive, they, there's a progressive, yep. progressive system just yep. a little bit. Yep. But a lot of it is pretty similar. Yep. Um, that by the time they get out, they've done that drill and that repetition so often that should there ever be a need in their life, and by all means, we certainly hope it never happens while they're in school. Right. But should ever in their lifetime there ever be some traumatic event or, you know, that they have some skills that they have built over yeah. time and repetition. Oh, they can, they can, the, the skills that they learn can, we can at least pyramid and, and build on that. And it's, and it's age appropriate language. I yeah. mean, you're talking kindergartners to, to fourth grade as they get older, the language it, it all kind of, again, that's why it's a standard response. Yeah. Everybody's the same. It's just a little bit different language. And by the time right. they get to be freshmen, we amp it up one more step yeah. um, and being active and avoiding running. If you can um, running to a room is not always the best option. Right. Um, but one of the takeaways, what's, let's get into that is, is a, a door that's being locked. As long as it's locked, I think there's two incidents from what I recall um, that there was um, a, uh, a death behind a locked door. One was at Platte Canyon. That's when the, the perpetrator locked himself in that school behind a locked door. Um, and then there was another one too as well, but they broke into the, into the room through a, a glass section that was next right. to the door. And, and let me back up and say, we changed all of our doors yep. um, in the high school. They're solid core. We removed the glass panel. I mean, that whole concept of having a thin quarter inch piece of wood. And now we have a, a fire rated door, yep. um, solid, solid core door. So as long as that base is there, man, I, again, nobody's ever died from running right you know, in, a, in, a, in a in a shooting incident in a school k-12. anyway k to yeah. 12 so i mean that's just one more thing to build upon and get those kids aware that man if we can lock the door that's one if we have to run get out then you you run and right. our percentages uh, to live just go up exponentially yeah for sure uh, but that lot locked door 70 percent of the incidents k to 12 uh, they're done in about five minutes and 90 percent are done in 10. so you have this very small window to operate in and being a, secured in a room that's exactly right you just upped your chance to live yeah. and that's what it's all about creating yeah. time barriers for sure um and you know we we talked in the past to uh, jerry about texting and not calling because you, what you were talking about in wyoming at that school what happens at school uh, if there's emergency all the parents come yeah, i mean absolutely. they converge on the school and it's uh, it's nationwide parent right? of a kindergartner most vicious animal in the world <laughs> that's exactly right next to the teacher yeah um and and to to piggyback on that to text instead of call and this last one because of the 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 information that was provided they said we should also once you're safe in a place to turn off your cellular data on your phone um so we, um, you're not flooding the, the data network as well yeah. because we all know the cell towers are going to go down mm. 10 to 15 minutes in. Um, and once things calm down, um, they even advise that the school district shut down the public access um, so people aren't trying to nonstop get on your our Facebook page right. and Instagram and, and Twitter and all in our web page. Um, so, again, a couple of really good things um, that were new to me. Right. Um, no, that was this, new. And this yeah. is just, just continuously um, evolving. And then they're talking about changing the, we call it the SRP, the Standard Response Protocol. Yep. You came back and said, well, they're thinking about changing some wording and adding yep. a little bit to that. Can you? Yeah, they are. They, um, because there was some confusion 
um, between law enforcement agencies and schools and then all the people in between that communication. Um, lockdown and lockouts was getting some uh, confusion. Are we on a lockout or lockdown? And some people who aren't in the know, don't understand the SRP, uh, were confusing. The absolutely. Two. I and thought it sounds similar anyway. Yeah. And so they, they actually absolutely changed that. They From a lockout, which means we, we deny access the building access yep. things on the inside we're still kids are still moving class to class people just can't get into the building or exit the building yep. within a reasonable amount of time to figure out what's going yep. on and they changed that from lockout to secure totally different verbiage but still yep. everybody's on the same page for communication and so they went from lockout to secure and this all comes out from what's i like um, that too it, yeah uh in april i think in april of this year they're gonna kind of switch everything up and get everybody on the same page. So I think that's a same symbol, yep. just different wording. So there's very clear delineations between yep. um, those defi- definitions. So we had one of these now called Secure um, a couple years ago, and it was the uh, law enforcement were trying to find a possible suspect of a crime that yep. was out of South Dakota. Yep. They, were, they thought maybe it was in the area around 10th Street, and so... At that time, it was called lockout, which would now be secure. So we did it as secure, meaning we try to put staff at all of the perimeter doors, the exit doors, and we just teach inside, and we don't allow anybody in. So if the FedEx person shows up, set the package by the door, thank you very much. You know, we'll step out and get it after you leave. Uh, One thing we ran into is we had some parents that wanted to show up and take their kids, and and my my point of view is a parent has a right to get their kids. If that's the case, by all means... Um, but what we want to communicate is we're still teaching. Right. It's it's business as normal inside the doors. We're just not allowing our students to go outside for PE or recesses yep. for elementary school, and we're not allowing the public or outside people in for just that short period yep. of time. And we, the hardest part for us was figuring out what to do during the lunch hour because we weren't ready for so many students to be right. here. But we got through it. Yep. I mean, the learning environment essentially is uninterrupted. I mean, right. there's, we put the blue sticker, a, a mm-hmm. little poster board on the front door with our SR, the symbol from the SRP, mm-hmm. and that lets the public know that they're, if they want to call, yeah, not absolutely. an issue, please call. Yeah. Um, and, but the learning environment's uninterrupted, yeah. and that's, that's the key to that. And the next one, uh, Jerry, they're going to come out with, they're going to add to it, is called hold. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've already done this before, too. Uh, but without a, a title. Correct. And when we when the drug dogs do, are, do come into the, the district, we keep the kids in the classrooms. Um, and inside the classroom, we continue to do our business as normal. An uninterrupted learning environment, the access to the hallways are sim- is, is off limits. Yeah. I mean, it could be. Makes sense. I mean, it may not be an emergency. We, yeah. You could call it because um, there's a student maybe having a seizure in the hallway, and we just want to yeah. a little bit of privacy there. Yeah. Where nobody has to be standing around watching that. Or in the elementary building, somebody throws up in the hallway. Yeah. So we run a hold and <coughs> let, the, let the maintenance staff get that cleaned up, and then they're off the hold. So it doesn't have to be necessarily quote-unquote an emergency right uh, but we're just keeping kids in the classroom so secure the perimeter doors of the school are kind of we're just sealed up business is normal in the halls movement around within the school yep hold is everyone's held up on hold in the classroom and just not in the halls don't have the movement um and we can see that and you you nailed some really good examples of that um uh, a seizure we're going to bring paramedics in to take care of a staff or a a student who's Um, maybe, you know, having a seizure. And so you just do a hold so that we can get them to come in and do their thing. 
um, for us drug dogs, um, yeah. you know, just hold. We're going to teach away, you yeah. know, but keep your doors closed. We're going to have dogs in the hall going up and down, sniffing exactly. lockers and backpacks and et cetera. Exactly. So um, that made sense for me. At first, I didn't get the difference between secure and hold. And then it was like, oh, that does make sense. Yeah. I mean, and again, same same poster. We'll still yep. have the same thing. We'll just we'll be making some copies and and everything. And again, I'll just say this again: everything is free. You don't have to pay a subscription right. or a membership. Um, John, Michael, and Ellen want this to be so all kids are safe. There, that's that's their ultimate goal. And be, you know, maybe a partial piece. I'm not going to speak for either one of them. But what I got from it was that everybody's on the same page. Everybody knows the language. So everybody knows what's going on. There's no miscommunication. Now, the police and law enforcement agencies have much a much more military style right. uh, verbiage. Right. Uh, their communication is is code. You know, we don't want code. No. And when they speak to us, we don't want them to speak in code. We don't. Or want we don't want breakers. the inter- Mr. Brown. Mr. <laughs> Brown is in the building. Mr. Green. Mr. Exactly. Green is in the building. Well, they and they're very adamant about that. Yeah. And they all have been about speaking a a common yeah. language. I mean, simple enough, right? Yeah. Communication. Um, and, and one of the last uh, least takeaways, and there's a couple other statements, but um, radios. I, we've been talking about it for years, but unfortunately what holds us back with getting two-way radios, which also, ha- I mean, we can be in touch with law enforcement through that, through that, that device um, and the other buildings, but phone numbers or phones, excuse me, cell phones, office phones are going to be ringing off the hook. It's so much faster, easier, and with plain language to use a radio. But would you agree the thing that's holding us back is probably what? Finances. <laughs> Which is very typical yep. in, a, in a public yep. school. But they are very expensive. Absolutely. Anywhere yeah. from yeah. $800 to $2,000 per radio. Yeah. And when we're talking, we need anywhere from 6 to 10 maybe, yeah. um, district-wide. Um, there's a lot of other things on the list yeah. that are that are probably um, uh, needed much more than right. that. But and we're not talking radios yep. for every staff member no. either. We're just talking nope. about a couple maybe in each a, building. Yeah, a couple, two or three in each building at the most. Yep, exactly. Um, but it, it's an expense. And the interesting part to me is our local law enforcement support it. They said, well, absolutely. You know, we can communicate with you. You can communicate with us if there's an event. You can communicate amongst amongst yourself on your own. Like, say you have a track meet and you just want to use radios to use radios to communicate. And and I know that Chief Lordino was talking about um, his preference would be encrypted. Right. And and I get that. I think privacy is is important. Um, So you're not using names, whether it's an emergency or not, right. uh, there are people out there that are that either have an app on their phone with yeah. a scanner, or they have them sitting there in the kitchen counter. And I just think that that privacy piece is also important in an emergency, probably less so. Um, but they're not always going right. to be used in a in a in a threat. Correct. Situation. Yeah, there's going to be daily routines. Is yep. is what we see. Yep. Exactly. You know, for, part of it for me is to get the radios outside the building with like maintenance people that travel from building to building. They see things outside of yep. our building that we don't see throughout the day because we're in the building that's right and so just to have that communication there with uh, from building to building and with those people working between buildings i think just broadens your view um, and your scope for your safety and, and we we both know and i hope the public knows this too i mean after this is 
the maintenance staff also have the power to call lockdown. Absolutely. And they should, and they have done it. There have been instances before where the maintenance staff saw somebody from the outside walking in with a weapon, yeah. and they can, but they had a radio, yeah. and they called a lockdown. So, and again, I, maybe we need to have Mrs. Williamson or Mrs. Barry call lockdown once so it's not just your just voice. Just a different voice. Um, or, yeah. or Mr. Arner, somebody else. Um, if we could just do, do it and not create panic. No, exactly. <laughs> so it's what True. I get concerned about. But absolutely, absolutely you know, yeah. our... our our food service people, we have some of them that travel between buildings. Again, they see back doors and entrances that we don't see during the day. That's right. Um, yeah, we talk about that. So, And we're fortunate that all of our doors are locked. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is a huge change. Yeah. Um, not that our school is not... Um, uh, there's nothing proof in this world, fireproof, right, uh, right. Uh, bulletproof. Um, our entrances, uh, I mean, if you really want to get in, they're, they're pretty porous. Yeah, yeah. You, you can break a glass and, and get in about any entrance um, because we don't have a lot of solid core. Our, our building looks enough <laughs> um, pretty industrial yeah. without a lot of windows. Um, and I think you can't make it look like a prison too much right um, that's not the purpose but um uh, anyway that's those are some takeaways from that that meeting and I, i'm probably going to go back march 12th they're having a a a free a free meeting um there's i think there's going to be it's open to 200 people i've registered i've not heard back from them yet but i'm guessing i'm i i hope i'm i'm in and i'll take one of my spring break days and, and go down and do that and then there's one in the summer that i'm i'm most likely going to going to attend and they're always different speakers john michael and his wife uh, they always show up because that's this is their program, um, but they have police officers, um, law enforcement, um, survivors. Miss Posey, uh, her her son survived yeah. uh, Sandy Hook, and you talk about you can hear a pin drop in 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 these <laughs> these meetings. Just uh, it, it's incredible to hear the survivor stories, and that's what I think what gives it meaning um, to most of the people there. Again, over half are law enforcement at, at right. most of these. So I, I, we feel privileged when we get to go to these, we kind of get the inside and the other side of it. Uh, but they're really pushing for edu educators, yeah. uh, to be at as many of these as they can. If school districts will, will get them, get them there. So we've got some changes to the SRP coming up and we'll have new posters in the building. And I imagine we'll see those in our big point is we want the same, Standard response protocols, which is the terms lockdown, evacuate, shelter, secure, and hold to be in all schools across the state. We want universal language. And if our kids are in alliance, I want to hear the word lockdown or secure. And, and our people are, are going to know what that means, exactly even though right. we're not at our school. Yep. Um, so we'll have some changes coming up there with some posters. Um, uh, we've... I just wanted to, we just got a little time left, and I just wanted to mention that probably one of the newest things in the state... And again, we have been participating in it as threat assessment. Um, threat assessment is the new one where they're asking schools to be a part of the, oh, how do I want to say this, of the, the vision that's out there assessing our communities uh, for potential threats. And, and so, and it was specifically, obviously, we're talking about students or students and staff. And um, so they've provided these trainings, and we have sent a team from our district, from people from each of our buildings, to these uh, a couple different trainings uh, to slowly get better with what do you, what are the observable threats, what are the behaviors you see that are considered threatening, low level, mid level, and high level, and then obviously, and well, and then there's a whole other set on communication, like if you see it on social media or Facebook, uh, what threatening comments look like there, and how to judge the severity of those comments. Um, and then finally, the interventions that go with those that match them, like what to do, 
once you classify it as a low-level threat, well, what are some interventions and follow-up? And so that's something that Shattered Public Schools has been working on and participating with. Yeah. And um, what's interesting about those trainings is we get more we get more data, we get more information right. as far as what what, what you're looking for in yep. a potential threat. What's what worked? Are, yeah, what works? What does it look like? Um, you get to hear real stories. Yep. Um, not just from schools; these are from businesses and organizations yep. as well. So. Yep. I've, uh, I mean, kind of to finish, to, to finish at least uh, my side of the uh, of this, Jerry is is I'm I'm in the middle of hopefully securing Frank DeAngelis and the um, the keys is to come up um, for a um, a presentation, a symposium mm -hmm. for our district. I think what we had yesterday, if we could have them, oh, yeah. in, in front of that crowd um, of there were a couple, probably 150, 100, 100 plus people there. Yeah. Um, we, Highway we, twenty uh, yes. schools primarily. Yep, and, but I, th I, th I just think we could we could fill M Hall pretty easily. Oh yeah, um, with with our school districts, and I'd love to have Alliance come up. Um, right. I think it would, it would it would be well worth to hear why. Um, I think maybe people don't want to hear it from us anymore <laughs> right. as much. Um, but somebody yeah. somebody who's lived it um, and is a survivor, I think it would get their attention and and even make. Um, our training, um, our drills, um, more meaningful. And I remember when we started some of this and we started these practices of barricading doors during the drills and, and we start teaching little kids about throw and go, yep. you know, if the door is breached by the bad guy or bad person, yep. we're going to throw and go and our kids are going to run and, yep. um, objects of opportunity in these discussions. Yep. I remember when we started, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go over with the parents. Yep. yep. And one thing I've just been absolutely pleased with is the support that parents have given us to do these trainings and do these practices and have these discussions and these conversations with students. Yep. So I've been just very pleased with that. And the, the one gal, Dr. Jackie uh, Schildkraut, she's from the uh, Syracuse, New York area. Um, one of her comments, uh, statements, and she, she I'm just going to, it's not going to be, it's going to be paraphrased. I won't do word, word for word, but she said, the phrase "it won't" or "probably won't happen here" happen here should be thrown out of everybody's language and vocabulary. And if school districts, the leadership, or school boards or community thinks that, she goes, "I that just right. it, I, I don't agree with that because it has happened nearly everywhere. I don't care if it's a small town or if it's a metropolitan. Everybody needs to be on the same page." And and we're not talking just here. Yeah. We're not doing this training just for school events. You know, I, I know when we would do these presentations to administrators and to students, you know, and across the state, we're talking, this is for when these kids are, maybe they're in a, yeah, some college campus someday. Exactly. Maybe they're at concerts and they're going home and they're sharing this information with their parents. So now parents and families are becoming educated when they travel to different cities and, you know, yeah. just crowded places. And, and so we constantly talk about, uh, it's not that it'll happen here. Here has nothing to do with it. We're going to practice it here. Yep. But we're talking about this is a life skill that, yep. that you can keep with you and, and to keep yourself safe and someday your family safe. And I think the, the, the one word that, that brings these two, whether it's then the threat, awa mm -hmm. threat awareness uh, or threat assessment um, and the standard response protocol is awareness. Right. Um, listening, paying attention. Um, and, 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 and you always talk about relationship building. But, I mean, it's also just being aware of your surroundings. Mm -hmm. Where is an exit? Uh, because if, if we're going to live in a world where our nose is in the, on the screen, we're, we're screen people, um, we're, 
in the end, that will be that will be the worst thing because you're going to be so you're going to be caught in a place where you you shouldn't be. Um, awareness is the key. Awareness. Awareness. Agreed. Thanks for joining me today. You betcha. Absolutely. Really My pleasure. It. My pleasure. Uh, again, maybe Lonnie Watson will be back next week. I, I know she's scheduling right now. I, I can't remember if it's <laughs> she, sophomores. I'm not sure if it's juniors or sophomores. I'm pretty sure it's sophomores yeah. this week. Um, so we're doing sure. a lot of scheduling, and I know we've had some podcasts over that topic. Yep. So, um, yeah, thanks again for joining us. And this is Cardinal Cast signing out for the week. See you next week. <laughs>